Y Group invites all AEC industry leaders to the 2024 AEC Small Business and Entrepreneurship Forum, the premier event for small firms in the AEC sector. Experience innovative strategies and insights on May 21st, crafted by Zweig Group's industry experts. Engage in keynotes and interactive sessions focused on recruitment, retention, and business growth. Join Zweig Group for this unique networking opportunity and take your business to new heights. Secure your spot today and be part of the AEC industry's future. Visit ZweigGroup.com for more information. The Zweig Group team looks forward to welcoming you. Welcome to the Zweig Letter Podcast putting architectural, engineering, planning, and environmental consulting advice and guidance in your ear. Zweig Group's team of experts have spent more than three decades elevating the industry by helping AEP and environmental consulting firms thrive. And these podcasts deliver invaluable management, industry, client, marketing, and HR advice directly to you free of charge. The Zweig Letter Podcasts, elevating the design industry one episode at a time. Hey folks, and welcome to another episode of the Zweig Letter Podcast. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and I'm excited to be with you today. I have got a great guest here on the podcast. One of the things that people will tell you within the design industry is that if I do a training or teach a class somewhere around the country, I typically try to twist people's arms and say, hey, I really appreciated meeting with you. I'd love to have you on the Zweigletter podcast at some point in time in the future. Well, my next guest, I really had to twist her arm and it took forever to finally get her here. But without further ado, I want to welcome Shalivia Baptiste. She's a professional engineer and she's the CEO of Leland Baptiste and a principal at Baptiste Engineering. And we actually met at the Port Authority training that we did in New Jersey a couple of years ago at Zwei Group. And so without further ado, Shalivia, how are you doing today? First, thank you for having me, Randy. I'm doing good. Um, it's spring. It's beautiful outside. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm at this Monday. That's good. I'm glad to hear that. And and if, if anybody hears anything in the background, she's got two little boys <laughs> come in from time to time because mommy duty still calls even when, you know, when you're doing business, right? And, Indeed. And so that's just the way that it is. But it's all good because I think nowadays people are certainly more aware and in tune with that, that fact since we're all working from home or some variation of that. So... But I would love for you, one of the things that we like to do here at this Wide Letter Podcast is start off by, you know, learning a little bit about you. And I would love for you just to kind of give our audience a little bit of your superhero origin story. Okay. So my name is Shalivia. I'm a wife. I'm a mom. I'm a professional engineer. I play the violin. I like sports. And I would say that I'm a well-rounded person, well-rounded individual. I'm passionate about the AEC industry. For me, it started when I was younger. I loved putting things together and taking them apart. And specifically, when it was time to choose a high school, my dad recommended engineering. And I'm really glad that I made that decision. 
I remember even furthering when I got to college, deciding what kind of engineering I wanted to do. And I remember family members saying, oh, you should do computer engineering. That's where the money is. And in my head, I'm like, I don't really like computers that much. So I don't think that's going to be a good fit. But I did pursue civil engineering. And without a doubt, I'm glad that I did. No regrets. If I could go back, I would do it all over again. Same way. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And that's now, did you go to a special engineering high school? So I went to Lafayette High School in Brooklyn, and there was a pre-engineering institute within the high school. There were several different academies, but it was well known. The school was well known for nursing. There were a lot of people in the medical institute. There were others in different academies, but I was in the pre-engineering institute. And then where did you go to college? I went to Polytechnic University, and we've had like several name changes since then. So the current name is Tandon School of Engineering with NYU, something like that. I probably butchered that, but I know it is Polytechnic University. And that's that's the way I like it. But hey. (laughs) So, yeah, sometimes it's hard to to get over old habits and old names that we tend to gravitate towards. So I totally understand that. For sure. I remember when they were even doing the name change, they reached out to the alumni and it was kind of like, Vote and tell us what you think. And a lot of us put it in Polytechnic University. <laughs> That's what we like. Yeah. But it's cool. Well, well, I know that, again, like I said, I said earlier, we met at a principal's academy that was put on, especially for the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey. Shout out to those guys. Really thankful for Keith Wright. Yes. The rest of his team there, Michael Masai and everybody else there at the Port Authority. Really had a great cohort. We did it twice. And you know, that's one of the things about Zwei Group is that they are able to help develop the next generation of leaders, right? And even though you are leading, right, you are the next generation. You're that, you're that vanguard of leadership of these young, as they like to say, up and comers. Cause I do have you by a couple of years. So I can say that. <laughs> but I was certainly impressed when I met you at the Principals Academy, as was Jamie Claire Kaiser and Chad Kleinens and, and the rest of the team that was there. But I was just impressed with everybody that was part of that cohort. And it just showed me how, you know, when, when you open up these types of training opportunities, that there are actually a lot of organizations that sometimes go underserved in the area of that type of professional development. And I'm speaking primarily of African-American or minority-run design firms, right? Whether it's engineering yeah. or architecture. And so I would love for you just to kind of speak about the impact that that program had on you and and what fundamentally did it change for you as a design professional? So I thought that the Principals Academy was very informative. I like that this Y group took a holistic view. So it wasn't just about, okay, this is your business and how do you run it? But it also took the perspective of you as a person, you as an individual, your growth is important. Like I still remember in one of the sessions where you said that you read like at least five books over the weekend. I'm just like, how does he do this? And like, I still sit there. I'm like, okay, maybe if I can get in like a book a weekend, maybe I could possibly catch up to Randy. But it just like things like that, just hearing that just kind of encourages you and helps you to realize like there is more out there and there's more that you can do. And there's, there's more that you should be doing. And that's something that stuck with me and just the personable side of it. And I think that holistic approach of the Principals Academy was 
different than what I've seen before, but yet still very valuable because if you as a person aren't taking care of yourself, there's no way you can then take care of a company, take care of employees, take care of your family. So the holistic approach was, it was the, it was the thing I appreciated the most about the the academy. Mm -hmm. Okay. I love that. I love that. Well, and I, I appreciate the shout out and thanks for sharing. I do try to read as much as I can. I, I don't know if I can get five books in, in on a weekend, but I can certainly, you know, the thing I always tell people is that, you know, try audiobooks too, because depending on, you don't have much of a commute nowadays, but when you do, like I listen to an audiobook on my way here to my office. And even though it's only a 14 mile commute, you know, I still get in a little, little bit of time. So coming and going, I'll be able to pick up at least a chapter or two. So. That's another way for people to get their book reading in because people always ask me, well, does an audiobook count when it comes to my reading? And I'm like, absolutely. If you're listening, it counts. So, <laughs> so I, think, I think it's important to try it out. But so tell me a little bit about Leland Baptiste and Baptiste Engineering because they're actually kind of too focused on two different things. Yes. Baptiste does land development primarily and Baptiste Engineering does civil site development. So why the separation and, and what do you really doing with both of these organizations? So I think it was just a matter of which came first. So Leland Baptiste came first, where started in 2008. We started out in Brooklyn and we do construction management. And then over the years, we decided we wanted to branch out and do site civil design. So that came around 2017. So it's a matter of who's, who's younger and who's older, but they all fall, they both fall under the umbrella of civil engineering, the AEC industry. And on the construction management side, our clients are usually owners of facilities and infrastructure. And then on the civil engineering side, our clients are site civil. So those who are designing facilities, those who are designing commercial sites, um, sometimes you're doing upgrades or pretty much anything from the ground down. So like your grading and your drainage. So that's like the distinction between the two companies. But the ownership is the same. And then, you know, and I know when we actually met and sat down for our Principals Academy, this was all pre-pandemic. And I would love for you to just, just talk about how, A, how the pandemic has affected you guys, right? I mean, because you're not a huge company, but I mean, you, you have employees and everything. I would, I would love to learn a little bit more about that. And what have you, what insight, strategy, and or opportunities have you developed during the pandemic? So... As a result of the pandemic, a lot of our projects were paused and that was just state mandates and that's that was what happened. So it was just a matter of, okay, during this time, now what do we do with these employees? And thankfully, since then, many of the projects are back on schedule. Some of them are looking to be wrapped up in the next couple of weeks, which is good. So those people can move on to another project. And I think like during that time, what was important for us is like, okay, so yes, your project is on pause, but there is still opportunity for you to continue your education. So we had a series we actually did with those who were, whose projects were on pause, where we had them like invest in themselves. So it was estimating and scheduling and just helping them to fine tune some of the skills that they already had. So although it was a pause, we used that time for them to grow and sharpen their skills. For us, it was definitely a time of pivoting. With the pandemic, there was a slowdown and there was a stop. And one of the things that we used to kind of keep like the spirits up and 
kind of keep us together, even though we weren't in the office or on job sites, we did like this virtual birdhouse event. So we bought some birdhouses and we sent it to each each employee and they had to design it. And then we had like a competition within the company. And like we saw such creativity and it was just a cool thing for us to just do. And it brought us together and it showed us that even during a pandemic, you can still be connected. You can still find ways to reach out with your employees and just to make sure that everyone is doing good. And that was really important for us, like beyond, okay, the pandemic, it was important for us to know that you were okay. Your family was okay. And that was something that I noticed, like many organizations, they kind of fell off the wagon with some organizations that I'm a part of, like professional women in construction. It was just amazing to see how we just kept moving. Like, so we weren't in person, but we quickly pivoted to the Zoom and we kept up with our events and people were just so appreciative for the community. And I think that was important. And I think I noticed with some other organizations that wasn't there. It's almost like you didn't hear from them. And it's just like, well, what happened? Like even just reaching out and saying, how are you? How's your family? I think that was important. So now I know it's it's kind of sad to say now when I see like emails from these organizations, I'm like, what were you doing pandemic? I didn't hear from you. So yeah, delete. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny you say that because I think a lot of people, you know, there, there were for a lot of organizations, it became crickets, right? There was nothing happening out there. And so, and I think, you know, if there was ever a time to double down, it was during this pandemic, which I was really proud of what Zwy Group was able to do when they took their Elevate the industry program and, and the elevate session program that, that was typically done live and in person. They made it a virtual event and it was amazing. And they're going to do it again this year. So, you know, shout out to Chad and Jamie Claire and the rest of the Zwy group team, Olivia and, and everyone else that put together such a great program because they basically met the need of people where they were, right? Where yes. They were, yeah. they couldn't get on a plane. They, there were a number of things that they couldn't do. And so they brought amazing people like Gabrielle Bullock and others to the main stage online where you were able to just log in and, and see, you know, individuals from your industry that had a lot to share about what was going on both in the past as well as in the present. So I think it's important. And I think, like you said, you know, you remember those that take care of you even in those difficult times. And so. I appreciate you sharing that because that is a that is a huge point. So tell me right now, you know, how are you guys dealing with backlog or maybe the lack of backlog in the space? Or are you very bullish about where things are going to be in the next, you know, 12 to 18 to 24 months? You know, especially in the New York market. I mean, I know things are always happening in New York, right? Yeah. So ironically, during the pandemic, we were able to get on some emergency projects. And that allowed us to hire people during the pandemic to get these programs executed, fully executed. And I think I'm excited about the future of AAC industry. Yes, it has been somewhat trying year, but I think it was a year where we were forced to advance our technology and figure out the kinks for where the industry is going. I think if you had access two years ago, could you work from home? Could you do this from offsite? The answer was generally no. 
But I think during the pandemic, we learned, okay, we can have a camera on site and you can watch that video if you can't be there. And if you need to take a meeting over Zoom, it's okay. You don't have to meet in person. And a lot of things that we kind of thought had to be in person, we realized we could actually get more done because we've cut down on the commute. Like I've been able to attend more meetings that I probably would not have been able to attend pre-COVID because the commute time, like sometimes just going into the city, like you go in for one meeting and that becomes the whole day because by the time you get on the train and you get to the meeting, it's two o'clock and you get back. It's like, what did I get done today? And now it's just, okay, click Zoom, you're in this meeting, you can get back to work, you can do this, you can do that. So yeah, I'm looking forward to what the industry has in store. I think that with everything, there's a wave. Like when we started in 2008, the economy was in a recession. And I know in 2019, there were talks that kept saying things, something is coming, something is coming. No one knew exactly what it was and how it would affect us. But indeed, it was COVID and it paused the entire economy. And I think even as we gone through and we are emerging from COVID, it's an up, it's an uphill rise now. And I think it's important for companies and organizations to be prepared and geared up and be ready for that full throttle forward. And as cycles go in the next couple of years, probably next 10 years, it's probably going to be something again that occurs where there's a dip. But I think it's a matter of recognizing the cycles, adjusting accordingly, pivoting when you need to, and being flexible and not being so rigid in your structure, in your way you do things, the way you run your business. So I'm optimistic about it, the future. That's interesting because I actually hear a lot of people say they're very optimistic. And and I have talked to some firm owners that, you know, have had some challenges. Their backlog isn't what they thought it would be. And of course, the pandemic just exacerbates things. But the more and more I talk to folks, I would say the norm has been that people are typically weathering the storm, learned a lot about themselves and about their organization during this pandemic. And they're going to be the better for it when they come out the other side. So indeed, indeed. I agree. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> so tell me this, because I mean, again, one of the elephants in the room with our conversation here, and, and one of the reasons why we did the, the Port Authority cohort in the first place was to you know create some professional development opportunities for design firms of color, if you will. And so as a woman, first of all, and then as an African-American woman, you know, I think that there are definitely some challenges there that maybe you've dealt with in the past. And I would just be curious to know, A, how you've managed that, right? And what, what are your, how would you report back to other people and encourage them that might look like you, might have the same interest that you have within the design industry space to kind of push forward, you know, and make their presence felt? I think for me, and I, I've kind of been asked this question before, but for me, My challenge in the industry has been more because I'm a woman. And at like previous firms where I've worked in positions of leadership, you have those that report to you. And I found that the male employees who reported to me, they were more of, they would question what I said, why I said it, and the result. But if my male counterpart said the same thing, it was received like, oh, yeah, that's exactly right. So for me, I think I got to the place where it was, well, you have two choices. Either you're going to follow or you're going to question 
which then will probably lead you to come back and we're going to have to do it again. But it's not going to limit my, or how should I say it? It's not going to make me feel less than or question my career or question my education because my education is sound, my experience is sound. And if you're choosing not to listen to it just because I'm a female, that sounds like a personal problem and it's not my problem. So sooner or later, you're going to get it. But I think I've always used those experiences to like push me forward. Like it never was frustrating or something to hold me back, but it was something sort of motivating. Like I use it as a step stool. Like, okay, you're not going to listen. That's fine. Like I'm going to move on. The project's going to move forward with or without you. So it's your decision if you want to listen or if you're not, if you want to learn or if you don't want to learn. But in the end, you're kind of limiting yourself just because of you think that it should come from a male. And it's almost like you're saying, don't take it personal. If you're on the receiving end of that type of treatment, uh, certainly that can be a challenge. But And that's actually good. That's actually good tactical advice for anyone, really, whether you're male or female, I think. Because, you know, you run into that a lot regardless. Some people think they know it all. And some people are like, ah, they always question issues or authority or something along those lines. So that's good information there. How have things been working with larger firms in the community? Well, in the New York, well, the community, the community that is New York City, because I know there's a lot of big business in a big design firms in New York City. There's a lot of work in New York City. And sometimes the work doesn't always trickle down to the smaller organizations, smaller companies. So how have you been able to kind of gain a toehold in that area and kind of let people know that, hey, you know, we're here and we want to work on this. So how has that been? I think that it's been a good experience. People work with who they know. They work with who they trust. So it's a matter of developing a relationship with some of the larger companies. And once that relationship is there, they're more open to consider you for a project to team on together. And what I found is that people watch what you do. They watch what you say. They watch how you run your company. And even the very little things that you do distinguish you from others. And they really appreciate that as a small firm. I remember, for example, we recently were on, we recently was on a project and I think there was some meeting of some sort and my husband showed up and the client said, oh, I'm surprised to see the owner here. I really appreciate you taking the time out to show up. And he's like, yeah, of course. And it just showed us that that small step, that just showing up to that meeting meant so much. And I think as a small business owner, we're all in. Like, this is, this is what we do. This is our livelihood. And I found that a lot of larger firms are open to working with you once they realize that you're trustworthy, that you stand behind what you do, and then you're, and you're confident in what you do, and then you have good people. I think those are all components to success with working with larger firms. And I think they've become more open to giving you an opportunity. And I think as with all things, you kind of build a reputation. And I think over the past 12, 13 years, we've built a reputation at Lalanne Baptiste where they see Shalivia, they see Robert, and they know the quality of work. They know the quality team members that they're going to get for their project. And I think that's what continues to open doors for us, that they know that we're here to stay 
and that we bring experience, we bring excellence and integrity to the profession. And, you know, I was I was kind of looking at or counting the years that you guys have been in business. And it looks like you did you start this business while you were still working at another firm? I did. Yeah. Okay. So this was kind of like a side hustle that became the main hustle. Yes. Yes, indeed. Indeed. That, and even in that story, that's funny in of itself. But yeah, that's oh, how I'd it started. I'd love for you to share that. <laughs> share a tidbit of it. You can't leave the audience hanging like that. You can't say that that would be a story. But you know, I, And here, here's the reason why I'm bringing it up, all right, in all seriousness. I do realize that a lot of our listeners and other people within the design industry space have goals of maybe owning their own firm one day. And right. I think that's a real, that's a real, that's a real goal, right? And yeah. everybody's not going to work for everybody else until time ends. I think right. the reality is, is that some people are suited to be employees and some people are suited to be employers. And, you know, just knowing you and knowing what I do know about you, not everything, because I don't know everything about you, but what I see of you, I see you as being an employer. And regardless of what you were like when you were an employee, I can only imagine that your mindset was that one day I want to own X or one day I want to do Y. So I would just be curious for you to kind of share from that perspective, the thought process that you had as you spun off of what you were doing. And I'm sure you did it in a, in a good way, but you know how you did that to, to kind of start what you thought was ultimately your, your baby here with uh, Lalanne Baptist and then Baptiste Engineering. So I want to say it's probably in college. So Robert and I both attended the same college. And I remember us having a conversation one day. We said, he said to me, would you ever want to start your own business? I'm like, yeah, of course. And I think that was kind of like the seed that was planted. So many years later, we graduate from college and we decide we're going to start. In the middle of a recession, we're going to start. And he was working for a construction management company. I was working for a civil engineering firm. And we said, okay, we're, go we're going to do this. And it was challenging. We both didn't leave our firms at the same time. He left the construction management company first. And he was, so he was full-time with the Land Baptiste. And a few years later, I left the engineering firm. And it's, it's funny how things happen because at that engineering firm, I was there for maybe, I'm going to say probably 12 years. So I, I started my career there and I continued to grow. I was one of the first to get my PE license there. I became an associate there. And I think it got to the point where I had reached the ceiling. And at that point, I knew it was time to, to move on. And it wasn't like a, at all, a bitter breakup. It, we left on good terms because I appreciate that. I appreciate the time that they had invested in me. And I appreciate what I was able to contribute to the organization then. But I also felt that there was no more room for me to go. So in 2016, I decided, okay, this is it. It was bittersweet because they, they saw me through so many different, I guess, chapters of my life. They saw me get married. They saw me have children, that whole kind of thing. And when you love what you do, you love where you work, your coworkers become family. So it was, it was kind of like that leaving, like, ah, wow, I'm leaving family. But on the other side, it was like, okay, so now it's time to build your empire. You've invested in in this company, your husband has invested in that company, but now it's time to 
build for yourself? How are you going to build your empire? What legacy you're going to leave? So that's my story. And I appreciate like the route that I had to take to get there. I don't think I would change anything because as employee, I was dedicated, focused, always wanted to learn. Something that sticks out to me, I remember we were doing this site design and one of the municipalities needed us to do this form of analysis in CAD. And one of my coworkers told um, one of the bosses, oh, that can be done. And I'm like, why not? Why couldn't it be done? Long story short, I figured it out. We did it. And that sticks with me because I always see myself as someone that dares to try when others say, oh, no, that can't be done. I'm the one like, well, why not? Let's figure out how it can be done. And I was that kind of employee there. So I think that when it was time for me to leave, it was bittersweet. But I realized that it was time to do for my company and my family. And yeah, that's my story. I love that. So and I'd be curious to know, do you ever partner up with your former firm? So we keep in touch. I've tried to. I think they're in a sort of different market because even when I was there, I would bring like different projects to them like city work. I think they're not. That's not really their focus. They like the private developers. So the public work is not really what they like to do. So I, I respect that. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I'll send proposals like, oh, I've seen this. I don't know if you're interested. Yeah, for sure. Okay. That's good. That's good. Yeah. I I mean, you know, I think every, you know, there's a season for everything. And and clearly your season for being an employee was, you know, it it went for a while. And like you said, you built some strong relationships. You know, that's what happens in certain work environments where the culture is strong. It's almost like yeah. It's just like, oh my God, you know, meeting and so certainly family always wants to see you do better and succeed, right? Truly family, they're gonna root for you, I think, in the long run. And, yeah. and that's what I always tell people when folks say, Hey, I'm leaving this firm to go someplace else. I say, listen, people legitimately like you and they legitimately care about you, they're gonna root for you no matter where they are, whether they are working from home. I mean, I'm not working from home, but whether they are just, you know, whether you're working with them directly or, or not, they're going to always root for you. And I'm, you know, I'm the same way. I, I don't technically work at Zweig anymore, but I root for each, each and every one of those guys on a regular basis. And I'm always excited to see them succeed. And even though I'm still technically part of the company, I just, I think that that's, that's the way it should be. I don't think it should be any other way as far as that's concerned. But I get it that sometimes you come out of toxic environments. And so you almost have to kind of cut your arm off, if you will, (laughs) to ensure that you can survive things. Right. Like, um, you know, those things do happen from time to time. But but I I really appreciate you appreciate you sharing that because I think people need to hear that. Yeah. And I totally agree with you that it's good to leave on a good note. And even sometimes now, if someone comes to me with a project and it's not something that we do and I know that they do it, I will say, yeah, you should go to such and such because I know the quality, I know the standard that they have set and what that individual may need, they're going to find it right there. So I would still, and I still continue to do referrals to them as, as it sees it. So what are your two questions I want to have for you? What A, what's keeping you up at night? with regard to the business, with regard to the industry as a whole, right? So like you think holistically about the design industry and 
you know, some of the challenges that we're dealing with. And you work on the public side of things. So you have to think about all the infrastructure work that, you know, just riding around New York City on a regular basis. You're like, oh, I know that needs to be done and this needs to be done. But what are the things within the design industry space that are keeping you up at night? I think it's trying to figure out how can we get those things done? Like, what can we be doing better within our company? What technology should we be learning? What technology should we invest in? Which individuals with experience should we be investing in to begin that conversation of future thinking? And those those are really the things that like stay on my mind. Like I'll like I'll watch a television show and then I'll go to my husband. So what do you think about this? Do you think we could possibly do that? And and he's just like, yeah, he, we're, we're kind of on the same page where we we see things and we're immediately thinking, okay, how can we apply it? How can we implement it? How can we take advantage of this moment of this time? So for me, it's always, how can we be better? It's great what we did today. It's great what we did yesterday, but how can we be better for tomorrow? So that's like always on my head, on my mind. And are you able to switch it off though too as well so that you can have that quality family time or, or are you still struggling with that like a lot of us are? I force myself to, to turn it off. Okay. Like, I think I do a little bit better than um, others. But for me, like, sometimes, depending on the time of the day, like five or six, it's like, okay, I need to shut it down. Mm-hmm. And definitely on the weekend, I've kind of trained myself. Like, okay, that email can wait till Monday. Nothing's burning. And if it's burning, they need to call the fire department, not me. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm figuring out how to draw the line. And I think... And I hear a lot of people say, like, during the pandemic, they just, like, work these long hours and they don't stop. But, but no, you have to stop. You have to stop and, one, take care of yourself, take care of your family. Because, like, for me, my children are watching. And sometimes it's like, you're working again? You're still working? And I often get from my um, youngest one, did you finish all your work today? Because I always ask them, have you finished your work? And I say, no. He's like, you have too much work. Why can't you finish your work? So it's it's funny to hear them say that, but it's um it's important to take that time out. Like on Friday, it was Friday evening. I said, okay, let me just catch up on some reading. And my son comes downstairs and he says, do you want to play a game with me? And he begins to take out Jenga. And I'm like, no, I'm reading. And he's like, don't you want to do something you like? <laughs> so I eventually put the book down and I played Jenga with him because I think it's those quality moments and he's five, like he's not going to be five forever. And he's probably not going to want to play Django with mommy forever. So I'm going to take advantage of those moments and I'll pick up the book and I'm waiting in a waiting room, waiting for somebody or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Trust me. You'll, you'll, there's going to come an age when he's old enough to be like, can I get the keys to the car? <laughs> That's what kids his age are doing then. And you're going to be like, Hey, want to play a game of Jenga? And he's going to look at you like, you're it's like Jenga. Like, no. <laughs> I love that. So, well, cool. So, you know, I'm glad we had this chance to have this conversation. I really did want to, you know, just chat with you. And, you know, there were actually so many people that were part of that cohort that I would love to talk with, but you especially, because it just seemed like you had everything in order and, and, you know, you really had it, had it going on as far as that's concerned. And, and especially, you know, I think in this day and age, as we're trying to promote diversity in the design industry, you, to me, are a spokesperson for that. 
not that you have to be the standard bearer just because you're black and you're a woman, but I mean, well, you're black and you're a woman and you're really succeeding at a high level in our space. So I just want to give you some props, some kudos and shout out to you because I think that you set an example of what can be in our space. So thank you very much for that. Thank you, Randy. I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. So as we, as we close out, and I always like to ask some fun questions, I would love to know what book have you read recently that's really impacted you, right? Because I know you said you're trying to read five books on the weekend or something like that. <laughs> and you saying that to me really means a lot because I've had other people say the same thing or like I've done trainings around the country and I'll hear from other engineers that have said, man, you really, you really impacted me about my reading and I've just stepped it up a notch or two. And we all have a room for that, right? Because I think we, you know, everyone, I mean, your library says a lot about you and not you personally, but I mean, just us in general, right? And so I'm always mm. encouraging. People. So one of the books that I recently finished was One Minute Manager. And that, that like, whoa, it, it blew my mind. I'm like, wow, you can really get all this done if you're just this structured and organized and you tell people what, what you want. There's a clear understanding of what's needed. So you don't go through this back and forth like, well, that's not what I want. And that's not what I meant. And one of the other books that I'm in right now, I'm hoping to finish it soon, is by um, Damon John, and it's um, Rise and Grind. And it's like, every time like I get into another chapter, it just has my like head turning, okay, what should I do next? What should I be thinking about? And yeah, those two books have, have really, um, are really forcing me to grow, whether I want to or not. It's like, okay, here's what you need to do. I love that. And I love Damon John's story. I'm a big Shark Tank fan. And, and I mean, of course, I knew about him before that just because of the whole FUBU culture for us by us. But um, yeah. One Minute Manager by Ken Blanchard is a really good book. And yes. if nothing else, you can take some really good ideas away from it. I always tell people when they read books, I mean, it, you, know, you don't have to change everything, but some things can be really beneficial. So, so yeah, those are actually two really, really good books. And we'll put links to those in the show notes so people can check those books out and, and kind of see what's going on. If anybody, you know, after listening to this is like, man, I need to connect with her and learn more about Shalivia and what she's doing with her company. What's the best way for people to reach you? So you can um, send me a note on our website. So our website is www.lalandbaptiste. That's L-A-L-A-N-D-B-A-P-T-I-S-T-E.com. And you can also find me on Instagram, Lady Engineer New York. And you're on LinkedIn too. And I'm on LinkedIn, Shlivia Baptiste. Yeah, and I'll make sure we put links to your Instagram, the email, the website address for Leland Baptiste so people can check you out there and then also your, your LinkedIn profile. So that would be perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. And uh, wow, we went over 40 minutes. So that was that was great. You really... <laughs> some good information and I think it would be tremendously valuable. So listen, Shalivia, all I can say is keep up the great work and keep doing what you're doing, you and your husband and your company. I look forward to watching. And there's that train again. I look forward to watching uh, with eager expectation, all of the, the things that you guys are able to do in the future. So congratulations again. Thank you, Randy. Thank you so much for having me today. Well, folks, that's another episode of the Zweig Letter Podcast. Learn more about one of the oldest newsletters in the design industry by visiting thezweigletter.com. You can read articles online, 
Listen to this podcast and sign up for a free subscription to the newsletter and have it delivered right into your email inbox every Monday morning. Sign up today. For more info about Zwei Group's advisory services or any Zwei Group publications, visit zweiggroup.com. You can subscribe to the Zweig Letter Podcast wherever you listen to it. And please consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and we'll see you soon. Thanks for tuning in to the Zweig Letter Podcast. We hope that you can be part of elevating the industry and that you can apply our advice and information to your daily professional life. For a free digital subscription to the Zweig Letter, please visit thezweigletter.com slash subscribe to gain more wisdom and inspiration in addition to information about leadership, finance, HR, and marketing your firm. Subscribe today.